In the brilliant Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore movie, The Wedding Singer, which came out, oh my goodness, almost 26 years ago. Oh, I don't like that, but I do like the movie. There's a scene where Adam Sandler's character, Robbie Hart, goes to the bank. He tells the teller, played by Kevin Nealon, I'm a big fan of money. I like it. I use it. I have a little. I keep it in a jar on top of my refrigerator. I'd like to put more in that jar. That's where you come in. Kevin Nealon ultimately turns down Robbie and asks him to leave. But I feel like my guest today would have welcomed Robbie with open arms. Jessica Wynn is a revenue-generating legal counsel at Lexion, a smart contract management system that uses AI to help customers gain insights into legal agreements. She could help Robbie Hart earn more money, and she's doing it for real-life people, too. We're talking about lessons she's learned throughout her career, some of our best fast food jobs, and her favorite Paul Rudd films. I'm Joey Held. This is Good People, Cool Things, and here's my conversation with Jessica Wynn. Can you give us your name and your elevator pitch, but also the type of elevator that we're riding on? Well, type of elevator that we're riding on? Oh, man. Okay. Well, I'll start with the easier question, which is my name. I do know that. My name is Jessica <laughs> Wynn. And the elevator that I'm riding on, huh? Uh, one that just I just push a button and I can be anywhere that I want to be, that would be amazing. That doesn't exist, right? If that did exist, because I feel like as I get older, time is so limited and they're so busy. You get busier with work. You have school, I mean, kid obligations. And yeah, I'm at like peak hard in my life in my early forties with, you know, aging parents, kids who are very needy and work is very demanding. And uh, my elevator pitch is I am a revenue generating general counsel, which is the weirdest thing because most general counselors are not considered revenue generating. <laughs> but to be, what I've learned to be successful in my professional career is that to have influence, you got to stay close to the money. <laughs> You're not in your head. <laughs> was there a was there a eureka moment when you had this? Was it like one mo- where it's like, yes, that got to stay close to the money or has it just kind of been over time you've it's been a consistent theme it is a consistent theme over time so so much of life and i think especially having immigrant parents and cultural influences just tell you to be successful you have to have certain career paths so it's like jessica are you going to be a doctor or a lawyer <laughs> there's no other career path and I didn't want to go through all the medical schooling and whatnot, then I guess lawyer it is. And then there's also just like, put your head down and do good work and then you'll be promoted and be successful. Well, that's a farce. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much more. I mean, yes, hard work is table stakes. Being competent is table stakes. There is so much more you need to be and do to be successful in this world today. Uh, but it took a while. It took some hard lessons. So basically, like do all those things, work my butt off, and then be completely overlooked for a lot, of, or be treated badly, you know, or disrespected or not supported in various organizations or by various people, and that doesn't feel good. Do you think that part of the background? I mean, I'm I'm sure as an Asian woman in tech, uh, you're not the the most common uh, sight in the room. <laughs> so. Did, I, I imagine that's probably played a role in some of that. So how have you kind of gone through that? Yeah, well, there's a lot of Asians in tech, but 
I like to clarify with folks that not all Asians are created equal. Asia's pretty big. <laughs> like, Is it? I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of big. And amongst the Asians, we have their we have our own identity. You know, the folks from India have a very different culture and identity and an influence than folks who grew up in China or Vietnam or Japan or Korea. I mean, you can just name it. So that's the one thing. So I think being an East Asian woman has its own unique challenges, whether it be in the tech world, the legal world, or just the professional world. Uh, so, and I think a large part of the challenge is being viewed as not a leader and more beta and submissive and just the worker bee. And I challenge all of those things. Do I seem like a beta or just a girl you hide in the, in the office as a worker bee? You do not. Just <laughs> Do 12, I, 12 I, minutes of knowing you. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Your 12 minutes of reading me is absolutely spot on. So how do I like challenge that by being me? I love it. I love it. I, I think that's a such a good, I mean, it's an obvious point, but I think one that people overlook of like, yeah, Asia's big. Like there's so many different components to it. And I'm thinking of when I've gone, I uh, when I've done international travel and I'll reference the united states uh and they're just like oh they and they they'll key in on like one city or like one spot and i'm like it's so it's such a vast place i think actually there's a good example i went to the miniatures museum in hamburg yeah, uh, yeah. germany which is phenomenal if you're ever in hamburg this goes to everyone jessica yeah. you anyone listening if you're in hamburg it's the best thing to do there uh it's just a giant museum full of miniatures it's the best and thing to do there okay okay That's a it, it is all right. It is. I mean, there, it's it's a very uh, it's more of a port city. So like if you're very into seafood and fish, mm. there's some good eats there, too. But it's uh, I, I found that to be way just the best thing. I also did a chocolate tasting tour and that was pretty good. But I think the miniatures museum was better. But they have these different lands kind of across the world and everything. And, and the America representation was Las Vegas and the desert. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, no, it? they're. Yeah, like they're not missing. Even, not, not even the Statue of Liberty. I think that's what the way more cliche America than I thought so America. too. But I, I guess the there's the the New York Hotel. I'm blanking on the exact name. I think it's just called like the New York New York Hotel or whatever yeah. in Las Vegas. Uh, so I think they have like a faux Statue of Liberty, and maybe they're just like, oh, that kind of encompasses it too. But I just thought it was it was wild that that's the the representation. <laughs> Yeah, it's wild, right? I mean, even within America, it's when you travel to different parts, every part feels and is its own unique culture. Speaking of someone who is from Hawaii, yeah. <laughs> Hawaii is, is a, technically a part of the United States, but feels very different in many dimensions than other parts of the United States. Now, you've worked throughout your career with large, enormous corporations and startups from a logistical standpoint is one of them more of a nightmare to work with or do they do they each kind of have their own I, maybe nightmare is too harsh but I, I think of like sometimes it seems like to get something done with like a, a huge you know enterprise like fortune 500 company there's like all this red tape I remember when I interned for Golan Harris who had Nintendo as a client way back in the day just to get a tweet out from Mario needed like eight rounds of approval wait Mario and- has a Twitter account Mario, uh, he did at least at the time. He might, uh, he might not anymore. Um, 
but yeah they had i think it was it was mario and nintendo had a twitter account and <laughs> several characters had a facebook account because facebook was still kind nice. of the biggest you know, i grew up playing mario yeah. land and mario kart so this speaks to me now i now i need to go check out this account uh but I hear. I you. hope it's still there. If I not, know. I apologize for getting your hopes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty excited about that because uh, I'm going to go to Japan too, and one of my lifelong dreams is to dress up as a Mario Kart character and go go karting around Tokyo. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing! I still think that's one of the best Halloween, like group Halloween costumes. Is you're each a Mario Kart character with the balloons, <laughs> like in the battle mode, and you just yes. see who who keeps their balloons longest for the night. So oh. you can find eight friends. <laughs> Like, you and I would be friends beyond. I like this. Yes. You and I, we speak <laughs> at the same wavelength, or we think at the same wavelength. Um, but I think your question goes down to like a pros and cons of every job. Honestly, I've done it all, and and I think you have to just be like, what irritates you least of the pros? I mean, the cons of a job, and what of a pro of a job really aligns with who you are and fills your cup at the end of the day. Because not everybody is meant to, I always say, can you scale down if you're from a big company? And can you scale up if you're from, uh, if you're going from a small company to a big company? Not everybody can do those kind of things. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have, this is, and you don't have to throw anyone under the bus, but you said, find the con that annoys you the least, or find what annoys you the least within cons. Is there a con that's annoyed you the most where you're just like, this is an absolute I'm out. Yeah. So I think it goes down to my core value. Uh, Obviously, I'm not perfect by any means, but one of my core values is to the extent possible, can the world be a meritocracy? (laughs) To the extent possible. Uh, And what I learned is that sometimes at a big company, I knew coming in, there's going to be more red tape. It takes a lot longer to get anything done. Frankly, it's just a different risk profile if you are, because I, I worked at Microsoft as an example, to, to do something at Microsoft, of course, it takes things longer, not just because there's more people, but you are higher profile. You are dealing with uh, a lot of data. You're a big company with a lot of resources and contracting with government entities. You're under a microscope of government agencies. Now, I get that. But what's really hard for me is if I see and myself included, really high performing talent get overlooked because of circumstances not in their control. Like they have a manager and even if they chose a manager through hiring who is fantastic and a great advocate for them, you know what happens at a big company, Joey? That you, that your control? This thing called reorgs. Like reorgs, like <laughs> you're laughing. I swear, I think they decide to like, you know what, we have a new strategy and we're gonna reorg every three to six months. Yeah. <laughs> so that happens. That's out of your control. And then what well, it's hard for me is that sometimes folks who are people managers are exceptional at what they do as an individual contributor, but are not necessarily exceptional people managers. And you need an exceptional people manager to lift really great people. And it was hard for me. And it was hard for, I'm sure, countless others at large companies who are stuck under middle management that doesn't lift them up. And that's hard. And then to see people who, and I care about fairness, right? At the end of the day, Mm -hmm. work a lot less and have a lot less impact 
have a faster promotion velocity because they are under better circumstances or have a more visible role or more vocal manager. That to me drove me more crazy than say things move slow. Yes, I having been in roles like that, I would agree. <laughs> it's a it's a very you're just watching from afar, like hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, it's it's just a you know, it's just a big. Co- it's not specific to my old employer. I think it's just a big company problem. Oh yeah, yeah, it's just a big company thing. It's impossible to keep tabs if you have hundreds and thousands of employees who are, who's exceptional as an individual contributor and who's an exceptional people manager, it is very hard to do in in a scalable way. So it's no fault. It's just a big company problem. Yeah. And sometimes you think like, oh, this person will be a great people manager. And then they start managing people and it's like, oh, actually incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. It wasn't personal. And I uh, actually, it's funny, I left Microsoft and, and a year ago, my spouse just joined Microsoft and I had nothing but good things to say about being an employee at Microsoft. I just said, keep in mind, these are the challenges of working at a big company. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I want to jump back to your collegiate days because collegiate you introduced days. yourself. Yeah, you introduced yourself as ago. a revenue generating general counsel. And back in college and law school, you had to put yourself through both of those. So you were generating revenue even back then. Did you have an unusual job or did you just find something that worked and saved up? Yeah, that's it was all of the above, but mostly it's a little bit of everything because it turns out there's a lot of different expenses to go to college beyond just tuition. <laughs> turns out there's this thing called books and room and board and travel. But, you know, back then my primary residence was still Hawaii. So traveling back and forth to Hawaii. And then I needed a new wardrobe because tank tops and shorts were going to cut it in Seattle. <laughs> so, and flip flops every day. So there's a lot of sense. So to answer your question, Joey, it was a combination of primarily scholarships and not necessarily academic scholarships. Like I wasn't perfect on the SATs and got a full ride to my college at Seattle University. It was really just being completely resourceful. I was like the only kid in my high school sitting in the career uh, college counselor's office, looking at every, it was, uh, it was a flat paper filing system back in the, the mid and late 90s looking through every piece of paper and figuring out which scholarship that I could qualify for and have a shot at getting. And so it was a combination of, and a lot of those were going to be need-based. I had a scholarship, uh, low income. And also there was one scholarship for a Hawaii kid that goes to a school in the U.S. mainland. <laughs> to just get off. Whoever created that fund was just like, there's so much talented island folk who just need to get off the island to just see what potential is out there. And I think that that was her only goal. Get off the island. <laughs> you're amazing in Hawaii, but get off and show the world you're amazing. And on top of school scholarships, and I worked in fast food. And, um, my, you know, my parents helped pay for um, my, my brother, actually, who was who was a police officer, helped pay for a lot of the things too, like my flights to and from Hawaii and Seattle. So combination, Joey, it's not just one thing. I love it. I have a couple of uh, tangentially related follow-ups. Number one, I'm embarrassed to say, despite my extensive knowledge of college teams, I don't know what the mascot of Seattle University is. I would guess some kind of bird, but... Oh, why did you guess bird? That's a great guess. Amazing. I don't don't know why. (laughs) 
it just feels maybe i'm just thinking of the the seahawks football team and i'm it just feels right but i don't i don't wow. know just, I, bird just, just jumped to mind go, go, go buy a lotto ticket right now because the mascot is the red hawks look at you oh, holy moly it. that was amazing you just pulled that out of nowhere thank you thank you i try i try my best <laughs> I, and then my other follow-up was working i worked at a coldstone creamery in high school so nice. i don't i don't know if that qualifies as fast food but it's definitely like in that same realm and this is kind of a general question was what was the most commonly asked thing you'd get outside of someone like putting in an order because for me it was always are you sick of eating ice cream and i i'd say no i'm sick of that question but I still love eating ice cream. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it wasn't. So I worked in a couple different fast fast food, Hawaii fast food, meaning I worked in my first job serving like plate lunch. Have you been to Hawaii before, Joey? Uh, I was eight. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a while ago, even though you look no more than 18. But oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm totally lying, by the way. But uh, so it's plate lunch and uh, it's a preset food. I've never been in hospitality and working in the food service industry is a very common thing in Hawaii and probably the majority of its GDP, honestly. So it was not a question asked of me, but this might surprise you. But in high school, I was kind of a dork. Like I'm kind of <laughs> my, like nerd, like, you know. I was I was a weird combo of National Honor Society and cheerleader, which you can kind of see, right? I mean, you yeah. might be like twenty six minutes now. I'm definitely that combo, a combo of dork and a combo of cheerleader. That is me. And so sometimes when folks, because I worked in like the neighborhood, you know, plate lunch places, right, not too far from my high school, they come. My friends would come visit me, and I think the more question was. Why are you, who is like in the National Honor Society and have all of these extracurriculars, why are you working in a fast food place? And I think what it came down to is a lot of folks in my high school didn't realize that I came from a low income background because I never showed it. I never talked about it. This might be a a, a nice little segue here of from from serving food to a question you wish you were asked more frequently. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. How do you eat so many carbs and stay thin? <sighs> so, wait, Joey, I have never asked that question. I, there's, you know, it's so sad. I'm. You can tell. I am. I am a mutt. I'm an Asian mutt, and I grew up eating <laughs> all the rice. And plate lunch is full of rice. I I lived off of hot pockets and pizza and ramen through college. And then you hit a certain age and you cannot eat those things anymore <laughs> and stay thin and be healthy and not get diabetes apparently. So yeah, I never get asked those questions, but I wish I would. <laughs> I thought you were going to share some amazing secret with us. <laughs> uh, no, but apparently all the stars are doing Ozempics. Maybe I got to take one of those. I don't know. I'm, I would not do it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I was just in... LA visiting my sister and her husband plays basketball once a week. So he took me uh, to go play. And I have a, a buddy from college who lives in LA now. And so I was like, Hey, do you want to play too? And he was like, yeah. So we're all, you know, it's a great, great reminiscing of the days when we were more in shape. And I think we played four games and I was pretty, pretty tight, you know, just up to like 15, <laughs> nothing, nothing wild. And I was 
talking with my friend and I was like, do you remember one time in college we played nine games and then we ate a full meal at the dining hall and then went back and played six more games for a total of 15 in like four hours. And we were fine. We were walking around, going out that night. And now I'd be horizontal for a week. It'd be awful. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Well, if it makes you feel, do you have any kids? I do not. Just just dog kids. Just dog kids? Okay, well, I'm a mom. I have two girls. One's 11 and one's eight. And you feel really old and out of shape when you're when you hear about how in shape your 11 year old is like she's in like a kajillion sports but she's like let's go hike this like hard mat like you know high peak mountain and she like runs like five miles without breaking a sweat that's when you feel old and you're like you came out of my body and i remember that like that's how you oh my gosh <laughs> you're stronger and fitter than me i used to carry you in a baby bjorn <laughs> On that sad note, let's uh, let's get to our top three here, which I Ooh. hope will be a little more optimistic. I think so. It's your yeah, top three yeah. movies that feature Paul Rudd. <laughs> okay. Of course, it's going to be Clueless that introduced me to the beautiful man that is Paul Rudd. <laughs> Number two uh, is going to be Anchorman. Who doesn't love Anchorman? He played a supporting character, but that is the most one of the most quotable movies, right? We can all agree there. Yes, my uh, my friend, I just introduced him to Anchorman. He, it was one of the movies where he's like, I've never seen it. He's my age, which is like peak, you know, peak millennial. And he had never seen it. And I, I this was like less than two months ago. We watched it finally. And he at least eight or nine times said, oh, that's where this is from. And I was like, yes, that's where all these quotes are from. So many good lines movie. come from that movie. And I think a lot of the lines were improv. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, which is pretty amazing. They just did it on the fly, and they just landed well. So he was amazing in that movie. And then the other movie I think is really fun is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. It's in Hawaii, and he plays this silly, ridiculous surfer guy. I think I just love. Well, I mean, I knew you were going to ask that question, and I <laughs> and I mean, Paul Rudd is my celebrity crush. Crush that they all make fun of me at work. I just celebrated a birthday, and of course, all of my colleagues at work slapped me a Paul Rudd gif. or meme or whatever it is and whenever i demo um the lexion product i always use paul rudd as my example (laughs) contracted paul rudd or like paul rudd here wants to do x y and z so he's my go-to celebrity crush and like demo example i think that is a fantastic choice he's wonderful (laughs) i he's not in the movie mac and me but uh, per his um, going on Conan O'Brien and always showing a clip of it, it makes me feel like he, he is in the movie. <laughs> he, he seems, I, I mean, I don't know him personally, but he just seems the, like the right blend of uh, clever, funny, self-deprecating, and just the right amount of handsome. I never trust a 10. <laughs> <laughs> I like... I. I one of I might get the exact details of this wrong, but you might remember when Paul Rudd had a recurring role on Friends. Yeah, uh, back in, in the day, that. and he, I I don't remember where I heard him telling this. He's probably told it multiple times in interviews. But the finale, obviously, Friends was a cultural phenomenon. Ten, ten seasons, right? I think of I, uh, you know, just always always being on TV, like millions watching it, and the at the finale, you know, all the main characters were kind of like 
very you know having hugs and and just very emotional mm-hmm. because it's been 10 years and paul Rob was just walking up and going like what a ride we had huh like just so, <laughs> so magical and he's been in like half a dozen episodes <laughs> which is part of his humor he's like i've only been a six episode but what a ride of my six episodes you know you cast for together no i'm i'm a i'm a friends fan of course but back in the day it was Thursday, there was no streaming. It was like Thursday night and me and my girlfriends on college would record it with our VHS player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am a recent Friends fan. My sister was a big fan growing up and I would watch episodes periodically, but never really. It was not appointment TV for me. And then uh, I watched it a few years ago when Netflix said it was going to go off Netflix Ooh. thinking, oh, I'll never be able to see it, even though it's streaming I think on multiple platforms, or at least on on Hulu, I think. But and you can just turn on TBS at any given time, and it's probably on there. <laughs> well, if you haven't seen the episode, another thing on my bucket list, in addition to driving around Tokyo in a go kart looking like Mario, is <laughs> to learn the choreography of the Ross and Monica dance. We'll Google that later. Watch the YouTube. It is so hilarious. Uh, so I would love to learn that choreography. I am familiar with the dance. I have not. Uh, <laughs> I've not learned it. I have not learned it, but it is a great dance. <laughs> I, maybe this is a, a gateway dance. Um, but if you've seen the show Dairy Girls, uh, which is a great <laughs> show on Netflix, would highly recommend. They There's a scene in each of the first two seasons where the group of girls is having a conversation but while they're doing a line dance and uh the dance in the first season it's to the song saturday night by wigfield which i just okay. recently looked up that's the only okay. reason i know i uh, is is very very easy to pick up but and it works with any dance we tested it out at the family wedding this past weekend it was very good very oh good very God. easy we do like dance. a choreographed <laughs> like family dance group dance at the wedding. i mean it's I it was that. just me and my sister dancing so it's it's less um i'd say it's less impressive when it's just two people who aren't even really in line together we're just kind of near each other sort of doing the same dance while everyone else is doing their own thing but i think <laughs> we have fun I'm and that's impressed. the most important I'm impressed. part i'm impressed <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun and i will watch dairy girls Yes, it's very easy to get through to. It's only a, a quick uh, 18 episodes total for the whole show. So very easy. You've got to love those UK series. It's very easy to oh, get through. Oh, it's a UK series. Okay. Yes, it's Irish. It's dairy like the city in Northern Ireland, not uh, oh. like cow dairy. I totally thought cow dairy. It's okay. I was like, interesting. No, I, like- I don't even think milk is featured at all in the show. Um <laughs> I think cheese might be once or twice, but okay, okay, that's a stretch. That's a stretch way to find a connection there, but okay. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, Jessica, you're officially off the hook here. If people want to learn more about you or more about Lexion, where can they find you? The best place to find me is LinkedIn. I am all over LinkedIn. I'm not on the TikTok, and I don't really tweet. <laughs> I just learned uh, my band has been featured multiple times on TikTok. And I said, huh, it's pretty that good. I also true. don't have TikTok. So I that was news to me. And I said, I'm cool, just I'm you still know, not going to join. My spouse worked in cybercrime. So I'm ultra sensitive to like spies. <laughs> yeah. 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 Even though I'm sure China knows everything about me already. It's already too late. Like, but, you know. Yeah, I'm sure just thinking. 
the word TikTok, you, you're probably already compromised. Yeah. But, the hmm. good news is I'm not that interesting. You know, I don't have <laughs> so I'd be the worst person to spy on. <laughs> I don't have any like secret information or yeah. So or yeah, good tech data. Excellent. Well, hopefully that continues being the case. In the meantime, thank you for joining. This was a lovely time. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Joey. And of course, we've got to end with a corny joke. As we always do, when does a joke turn into a dad joke? When? When the punchline becomes apparent. Get after oh, it today, people. Gosh. <laughs> that is so bad. It's pretty good, actually. Not bad, Joey, for a non-parent. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Ooh.